It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February 9th, 2017. We're glad that you're with us tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Or sign in with the chat room to the bottom of your video feed if you're watching us from collegeview.com or the virtualbiblestudy.com on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Glad to be with you as well, and uh, looking forward to another important discussion tonight. All right. Well, uh, let's, do a little, let's do a little housekeeping. housekeeping. Uh, make sure we, we know what we're up to tonight. We started something last week sort of as a preliminary to a work we're doing here at College View. We're doing what we do, what we regularly call here neighborhood Bible studies. We've done this in the past, and uh, we're doing it again this February. For three Monday nights in February, we're doing, we're, we've divided the congregation up into groups, geographically uh, logical groups, and uh then each of those people in those groups trying to invite people to come to one of the homes and have what we call a neighborhood Bible study. Yep. We had the first one on Monday night of this week. We previewed it last week. Right. Uh, our topic was about the inspiration of the Bible and how to study the Bible. Right. So we previewed lesson one last Thursday, and we actually had our neighborhood Bible study on Monday of this week. Mm-hmm. Now, what we told our audience last week is we're going to do that for each of these lessons. So the second of the three lessons we want to preview tonight. Yes. And we think it's a really important one. It's how to establish Bible authority. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you haven't heard the, the previous program, you're listening to us in the podcast, go ahead and hit the stop button on this one, go back one week and get last week's on the inspiration of the Bible and how to study the Bible. Yeah. Well, they're actually standalone lessons. They're standalone, but they, they also build on each other. Yeah, they, they build on each other, but you you could listen to them out of order. It wouldn't hurt anything, I suppose. Uh, but again, what we're doing is we're, we're pre- previewing tonight what our neighborhood Bible studies will talk about next Monday night. We've got three, three group studies going on on Monday nights here in the Columbia area. Mm-hmm. If you are listening to our program and you are in the Columbia area, we'd love to have you to join one of our neighborhood Bible studies. And if you'll call us at uh, uh, 381-4567, that's 877-381-4567, we, we'd be glad to to put you in touch with the neighborhood Bible study closest to you. We, with that, we're, we're wanting to get more people who are interested in Bible study, and if you are, we'd be glad to have you. So this week's study, we're going to preview tonight how to establish Bible authority and we're going to talk about it next Monday night in our home Bible study. And if you'd like a copy of the material, we can send that to you in a digital format so you could use it in your area if you'd like or just study along. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, give us a, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. So well, we can get all this information out to you in a lot of different ways. And, uh, and we think this is a really important topic tonight, Jacob, because, you know, the idea of Bible authority is pretty much generally ignored in the religious world. Right. 
and uh, but it is ultimately important. It's it's sort of like the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were going to have a, a a pickup football game, flag football game, we'd have to say, okay, here's the boundaries. Uh, you you've got you know four downs to make you know uh, right. uh, a touchdown. You can't or, do you know, this. You I, re- I remember when we used to play football in the backyard when you guys were kids. We had all kinds of goofy rules because the yard was sort of small in shape, and so you know you had certain things were illegal. You couldn't do this at that point, and so forth. And so, but you got to establish those rules of the game so that you know how you, how it's to be done. And and really, Bible authorities is sort of the rules of the game for serving God. Yeah. And there's nothing more important than that. Either, and really, it's you can only have it two ways. Either you have to do what the Bible says, or you don't have to do anything the Bible says. You can do anything you want. You can't really have, you can't logically have the middle of the road that says, well, we'll look at the Bible and do what it says about this, but we won't do what it says about that. Or we'll do something that the Bible authorizes here, but we'll do something it doesn't authorize here. You can't have it both ways. So it's either all or nothing. Uh, if you I, want to I be really consistent. think so. I don't think people realize that that if they if they allow anything to be done that can't be authorized through the Scriptures, then they really can't stop anything. If you allow one thing, you can't stop anything that people want to do that would be a violation of things taught in the Bible. To illustrate that, let's look at the uh, common, uh, the, the the very popular discussion today about homosexual marriage. Oh, religious people have been very upset about that. Oh, we can't allow homosexual marriage. It's, the Bible doesn't authorize it. That's, that. That'd be against what God says. Well, that's true. But, you know, it also says some things about divorce. And you can't just get a divorce for any reason you want. But religious people... 50, 60 years ago, said, well, we'll swallow hard and say it's okay. They do. look the other way for violations of God's marriage law on the divorce-remarriage question. Right. Now they don't have any ground to stand on to oppose other forms of unscriptural marriage. Yes. Once you allow one kind of unscriptural marriage, then logically you can't re- resist or oppose any other. And uh, you say, oh, that's ridiculous, but we've had a quote on the, on the program from a, a preacher or pastor or whatever his title may be. Where he said just that. He says, I could not condemn them when I've been turning the other, turning a blind eye to this unscriptural heterosexual marriage relationship. Yeah. So, so, so it, that illustrates it's either all or nothing. That you've got to have Bible authority for all you do or you can't demand it for anything. So that's what we want to talk about in our, in our study tonight. And, and we send out some study questions. Before we do that though, Jacob, uh, maybe we should talk about a little experiment we're running tonight. Uh, we're trying to get our broadcast out on Facebook, and we have a very crude, rudimentary uh, setup tonight. Yeah, it doesn't have duct tape, but it's not far from it. It's not duct tape, but that might be an improvement. It might be. Uh, but anyway, if uh, some of you who are regular listeners or anybody else would like to go to our Facebook page, and uh, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles, we hope to improve upon that. But our Facebook page, by the way, is not the virtual Bible study. It's just virtual Bible study because somebody, I think, out in California hijacked our name. Yeah. And so we, we are not the virtual Bible study on Facebook. We are virtual Bible study on Facebook. So if some of you all would like to go out there and take a look uh, and, and see if we're getting out and see what you think about it. But as we said, it's a very rudimentary uh, setup tonight. Uh, and, but if we can get this perfected, we think we can do some other things with Facebook. And it's Facebook. sort of freaking me out here that you're promoting Facebook on the pro- – I mean, I don't know. It's I'm a, not a Facebook person uh, typically, but, 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 but yeah. if we can use it to get the program to more people, we will. 
Yeah, yeah. So okay. So check it out. Maybe we may be headed that way for everything here before too much longer. So let us know how it looks tonight. All right. All right. So to our update list earlier today, we sent out these these questions for your consideration and feedback. Uh, number one, what are some faulty sources of authority in religion? Okay. Number two, give examples of direct commands or statements as a source of authority from the Scripture. Number three, are approved examples authoritative? Yes or no, why or why not? If so, give examples. Number four, what is necessary inference? How is it used to establish authority? Give examples. And then number five, explain general authority, specific authority, and expediency. If we can cover all that, we will do well. Uh, And as we said, it's a a really important topic. All right. Again, 877-381-4567 is the way you contact us on the phone tonight. Questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you. Let's start out with the fact that, uh, unfortunately, well, well, first of all, let's start out with a simple observation that Jesus understood, and even the scribes and Pharisees in Jesus' day understood that you need to have authority for what you're doing. In Matthew chapter 21, mm-hmm. uh, the priest and the elders came to Jesus, um, he and he, he had been teaching, uh, and they were opposed to his teaching, obviously, and so they came to him when he was coming to the temple. This is Matthew 21, 23. When he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders and the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? Well, if you were to stop right there, you'd have to say they ask a fair question. By what authority are you doing this? And who gave you this authority? And so it implied you have to have authority, and that authority authority has to come from a right source, right? Yeah. Uh, Well, you remember Jesus went on and said, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will likewise tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? They reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said to them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. So I think most of our listeners will recall that exchange. But I think the lead into it is what's so really important. The 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 elders and the chief priest ask a fair question. By what authority are you doing this? And who gave you that authority? Those are worthy questions. Absolutely. They wouldn't live by the answer, but they were they were worthy questions. They understood the need for it. We understand the need for authority and a lot of other things. Uh, well, you know, we got a new president for those who aren't in our I'm sure everybody who's listening is sort of our new president. But, you know, lots of folks have been uh, challenging him. Can he do that? He's been making. He's been sort of making some waves, and people say, "Can he do that? Does he have the authority to do?" Even that? courts have been trying to decide if he has the authority to do certain things, and and rightly so. We want to make sure that that the president's following the rules. Well, why does it change when we get to the matter of religion? You can do whatever you want to do. Yet a lot of people are saying just that. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. So first, the first question we had was. As we come to the subject of authority, what are some faulty sources of authority that people try to use? And one of those would be just what seems good to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm going religiously. I'm going to do what seems good to me. And the fact of the matter is that that's never been a a good source uh, for what we do religiously. Famous statement of Jeremiah, Jeremiah ten twenty three. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Yeah. 
So we just can't do it. Uh, you know, Jeremiah says it's a, it's a failed effort before it begins. You can't direct your own steps religiously. Uh, your own opinion is not the basis of authority. Uh, we've heard it said plenty of times before that uh, opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make it right. You know, right. You're, and, and my opinion is not any better than yours or vice versa. And we just can't follow human opinion. That doesn't get us anywhere. Well, you know, we may not be able to follow your opinion, but, you know, my opinion is really good. I think I should just follow my opinion. Well, Proverbs 14, verse 12 addresses that. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That ought to shock and startle all of us that, and realize, make us realize that I cannot trust my opinion, my think-sos. What seems even, right even if me. it seems right to you. It's not yeah. necessarily right. And the yeah. end of following that uh, chain of thought is death. You know, uh, we could uh, you could run with this a long way, but, you know, the, uh, the, the Apostle Paul, when he was known as Saul of Tarsus, he was very active religiously. And when he told his story, he said, I thought I was doing the right thing. Yeah. But he was in the process of persecuting Christians, throwing them in jail, giving his voice against them when they were being put to death. Uh, but... It was what he thought he ought to be doing, which is, I think, ample proof that what you think is not the proof of what's right and it wrong. It didn't violate his conscience. As audacious as that is, it didn't violate his conscience. He was doing it in clear conscience. And would not would you not say that a majority of religious people today are doing what they do in a clear conscience? Maybe even making what they deem as sacrifices in doing that. And yet they're wrong. Uh, Kyle's behind the board tonight. Kyle, I, mean, I think that's a, a welcome to the program, by the way. Uh, Kyle, I think that's very common. You, you, we meet uh, people, religious people, every day that are very sincere and have a clean conscience and think that they're doing what God uh, expects, and yet they are doing things without authority and uh, following their own think sos. Oh, yeah, of course. And they, Jesus Himself said that you know many will come to me and say, "Lord, Lord," and you know there's you watch, you can uh, turn on any channel, any all those TV preachers. They they know that they're doing what they believe is right. But most of what they do is not approved in, uh, in the scriptures. So that's just, yeah. 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 Um, uh, so I, I strongly, we've got to argue that human opinion is not what's going to get us where we want to go. Uh, also, we need to understand that we're not to follow men and men's teachings. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 15 verse nine, he was actually quoting Isaiah from the old Testament he said, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. If we teach the commandments of men, Jesus said it makes our worship vain. So that, that, that's very plain. So we can't do our own opinion. We can't follow other people's opinions and teachings. Um, and then just real quickly, I would throw in too, and we, and we talked about this last week. We are talking about studying the Bible. Observe that distinction between the Old Testament and the New. Our, our law for living today is the New Testament will of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and we talked about that last week, so we won't go into detail to talk about that. But some people want to go back to the Old Testament and grab bits and pieces of the Old Testament to authorize what they're doing religiously today. And well, we can't do that either. That, that doesn't get the job done. All right. Uh, quickly, before our break, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, responds. Thank you for your email tonight, Kent. He says, there are many faulty sources of authority in religion. There is no authority, uh, the, the, the uh, no authority position where individuals deny the necessity of such. He references Colossians 3, verse 17, 2 John, uh, verse 9. The false view of uh, predicating proper authority on subjective thinking 
John 8, verse 32. The use of religious groups rather than the standard of Christ as our authority, John 12, 48. The fallacy of affirming that explicit statements only as, only as being our only authority. Question, where is the explicit statement in the New Testament that explicitly states that explicit statements constitute our only source of New Testament authority? Good question. And he says, there's another question. There, where are any accountable individuals living today direct, directly addressed in the scriptures? One is required to depend on inferences and implications and examples to properly conclude that direct statements are binding upon accountable individuals today. Okay, so Kent num- listed a number of things that people get out of whack when it comes to this question of authority. And we're going to touch on some more of those things that he mentioned in his email. We had an email from Troy, and I'm not sure where Troy is from, but he, he talked about a specific application of authority when it comes to the work of the church. And he said he's run into some who say that people argue that anything an individual Christian can do that a local church can do, uh, and he's been a, he's been criticized because he doesn't go along with that concept. We don't either. We've actually dealt with that some in the past uh, on the virtual Bible study and in our archives. We've got several episodes on the what is the work of the church and how is it to be done. But the uh, choice statement here, I think, is sort of a uh, an actual application of the broader question we're asking about how to establish Bible authority. Yeah, thank you for your email tonight, Troy. Appreciate uh, you being out there. All right, we're going to get a break when we get back. We need some examples of uh, of how that we do develop authority from the Scriptures. How do we know? You know, I want to know that God approves of what I'm doing, and that I've, hopefully everyone does. How can I be sure that when I stand before God on the day of judgment that I know that he will be pleased and approve of the way that I live talk about that and how we establish that authority on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College of Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any different plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. No worldly success can compensate for failure in the home. What a pity that human beings cannot exchange problems because everyone knows exactly how to solve the other fellow's problems. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. We're talking about authority on the program tonight. How do we establish Bible authority? As, as sort of a side note, we are trying to get a little bit of a 
live feed out on Facebook, and we're getting a little bit of feedback from that, and apparently it's not, and we knew this would be the case, it's not great quality tonight, but we're going to try to well, improve on that. And if you want better quality, thevirtualbiblestudy.com will get you right to the uh, yeah. to the, the good feed tonight. Remember? Yeah, the, the better feed, if you're on Facebook and you want a little better feed, and uh, access to our chat room is thevirtualbiblestudy.com, but we're glad to see that we're getting some people watching us on Facebook, and uh and stay tuned for better quality. Yeah, and Lord willing, and next week. What do they say? Like us, please like us. You know? <laughs> That's sort of, Kyle. It's sort of. It, I, don't right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's sort of an uneasy feeling over here to talk like that. But uh, right. you never thought you'd hear me say that. I never thought I'd hear that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Well, everybody likes to be liked. You no, know it, that. it's not about liking us. Uh, spread the word so that there we can go. help uh, get other folks in the study because the study is better the more people we have and the more comments that we have from our listeners. So. Please spread the, the word with your with your friends, as they say on Facebook. Okay, so let's let's get into. We, we talked about how people make big mistakes when it yeah. comes to Bible right. authority and pursue wrong avenues of authority for their religious practice. But what is the right way? Well, I think that the the very easiest way that we can know what God wants us to do is when we find a direct command or statement in the Scriptures, and and we know that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's impossible to misunderstand effectively. Right. right. Like Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, people try to get around that verse a lot, you know, and we've, and we've talked to a lot of people over the years on the Virtual Bible Study who really want to explain that away. Pretty hard to explain away. It's a direct, it's a direct command uh, by the inspired apostle Peter. Right. Repent and be baptized. Right. Interestingly, as we've talked, a lot of people want to want to require repentance, but they want to exclude baptism. Right. And they're linked together there in that verse. So you know, when we have just a plain statement of or a a, a clear direct command, I don't know. That's 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 pretty easy. Yes. In, in my opinion. It's hard to deny. Well, unfortunately, there are some who would challenge that. But that would be the most uh, straightforward and hopefully easiest under, way, under, way to understand authority is that a, a simple do this, don't do that. Yeah, like Ephesians 4, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. Yeah. Or rather, uh, labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. I don't have to, you know, I, I don't have to work myself up into a frenzy to try and figure that yeah. out. It says I'm not supposed to be stealing. Yeah. That, that's real straightforward. I don't have I don't have any trouble with that. Yeah, exactly. So the, the the very easiest form of Bible authority comes via direct commands and statements. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Um, if you're committed to wanting to know what God wants from you and you want to do it, then certainly the direct command is one that you'll want to follow. Yeah. I have another email from a different Troy, and I know this Troy in Hendersonville. He says, direct commands, we must hear and obey them. So when we have a direct command, just you do what it says. Yeah. Um, the audacity of thinking that, well, we get a message from God in the Bible where he said, do this, and I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Kent in Georgia sent in just a list of scriptures that all, con- uh, and we won't read them all, but they all constitute direct commands. Examples of direct commands. Mark sixteen sixteen. Now, this is a statement. Notice, Acts 2.38 was a command. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Yep. Mark 16.16 16 is not 
a command, but it's a statement that tells us what we have to do. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's not worded as a command. It's worded as a statement of fact. Yeah. But it tells us what we got to do. Yeah. So that's why we, I think properly we say a direct command or statement. Because that's not a command, but it's a statement that establishes necessary authority. He references to Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Command there. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord as we teach and admonish one another. Again, uh, I have a message from God that says to sing here in my hands. Uh, if I want to be pleased to him, I'll do what he said. I'll follow the direct command. All right, so I don't think we have to go. I, I, surely we don't have it. Surely we don't have to argue too hard to convince people that when God says do it or don't do it, then that's authoritative. Yeah, yeah. Now again, people. What happens religiously, unfortunately, is people will try to argue their self around those commands, yeah. and a lot of attention is paid to that. For instance, I mentioned the, the, the command to be baptized. We've got a command. We've got a direct statement showing the necessity of baptism for salvation. And so what's happened, because people don't want to do that, is that they try to argue around it or somehow exclude it. But a lot of, a lot of focus is put on those verses because they know, they know, and we know that that's just a simple, straightforward way of, of establishing authority. All right. Uh, sign in the chat room if you're watching this again. If you want a better quality feed tonight, it's at thevirtualbiblestudy.com as we work on that Facebook feed. And going forward and get that quality up. But now the best feed is at thevirtualbiblestudy.com where you can sign in, with chat, in the chat room with other listeners. Philip in the chat room says Ephesians, he references Ephesians 5.17, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will, what the will of the Lord is. And We're com- notice that. Commanded to understand the will of the Lord. And first So John, that would imply it's possible to do so. Yes, right. And well, and there's a command, a direct command. First John 4, verse 1 we must test the spirits, and as in most other topics such as science or medicine, there are proper standards for testing and doing things. Even literature has rules to go by. Thank you for those comments. Earlier in the chat room, Philip mentioned that some believe that the Holy Spirit is directly leading them, that their authority today comes from a direct leading of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that again last week when we talked about the all-sufficiency of the Scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures, and they are complete and furnish us to every good work. Uh, Second uh, Peter one verse three: We have been provided with everything that pertains to life and godliness. So, uh, yeah, I think Philip's right. No need some, for any special some, message. Some, were say, some would say, for their authority, well, I get this guidance from the Holy Spirit today, and that and that's not the case. That does, the Spirit doesn't work that way today. And he goes. Philip earlier said, Bible authority is a neglected subject in many pulpits across the world, let alone in the lives of many who call themselves Christians. You know, it's one thing to have it in the pulpits, which we must have. Do we have it in our personal lives? And that's a good point for yeah. Philip. Kevin in the chat room says, "I like I like Greg's hip lingo. I don't yeah. think I've ever been accused of having hip lingo." I'm not lingo. sure about that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, all right, all right. So let's let's go to the since I think that's the direct command and statement are such easy ones to understand. Let's don't spend any more time on that. Let's get started. We're before we get to this uh, next break. Let's get started on on one that I think is very important. And that's the idea of approved examples providing authority. Ask the question because it is a question on a lot of people's mind. Do examples provide authority for us? And I think the answer is yes, but I would 
I would want to be more specific and say approved examples provide authority. We've got examples of people, do, even Christians, doing some things in the Bible that they shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. Uh, for instance, in Acts chapter 5, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they were Christians. And we have a record of their action there. We see their example. It is a bad example. They lied and, and the Lord struck them dead. Yeah. And so I... Uh, Obviously, we wouldn't want to follow that example. It's not an approved example. My point is there are examples, but we need to have an approved right. example to show that it is what we ought to be doing. All right. Uh, and uh, certainly that is the case. But an approved example, if it was approved in the New Testament, if God approved of it, then uh, he would approve of us doing the same, imitating that. In fact, we're commanded uh, to do the same. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to find a verse where where Paul actually, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else doesn't come up with before. First that. Corinthians 11 verse one: Be you followers of me, yeah, even as I also am of Christ. So Paul says here in First Corinthians 11 verse one that we should look to his example where he was approved. And follow him. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have, have have us for an example. Paul says, look at my life, the things that I'm doing that are pleasing to God, you imitate those. Yeah. So there's plenty of statements in the scripture that indicate that we ought to be following the example of the inspired apostles and the first century Christians when they were doing things that were approved of God. Uh and, and and that's that's uh, just a I think a straightforward uh, um, instruction from the scripture. Um, Same thing I do in my daily life. If I, Kyle, if I were to get a job at your workplace and I'm trying to learn the ropes and I want to know what's going to make the boss happy, and uh, well, Kyle does something you know at a certain time of the day, and um, I, I'm, I would say, well, that's what this boss accept, expects. That's what I'm going to do. I learned not because the boss told me, but because you did it and the boss approved of you doing it, that I'm going to do what you did. Here's the verse. I don't know why in the world I was struggling to remember this location, but it's Philippians 4, verse 9 is the one that that I was wanting to stress. Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard, well, that would be things that he, he, he taught, taught them, them directly. So notice again, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Notice Paul said, do what you do, what I taught you to do, which would be direct commands and statements, but do what you saw me do also. And so I think that's a really strong verse, Philippians four, verse nine, that would that would indicate that, yes, approved examples are authoritative now that's been under that that kind of thinking has been under attack even by some of our own brethren in recent years there have been those who who wanted to challenge the idea of approved examples being authoritative i don't know how you get around that statement and the others that you suggested as well jacob all right look at uh let's look at uh, kent his comments uh, from calhoun georgia he says yes indeed approved examples are authoritative just like explicit statements they are authoritative because of their nature they constitute patterns to follow he references romans 6 verse 17 and while not all accounts of action constitute examples when an account of action can be consistently and scripturally demonstrated as a model with a, a spiritual significance applicable to New Testament teaching, such as such constitutes an approved example to follow. 
Understanding these principles leads one to conclude that all approved examples are authoritative and must be followed. All right, very good. And Troy in Hendersonville, he's sort of uh, uh, building on his uh, his comments here, Dan. I like this. Direct commands, he said, we must hear and obey them. Approved examples, he says, we must see and follow them. See them and follow them. All right. You know, uh, and, and I don't know if, uh, if we're going to get a little bit more into some more examples uh, in a minute, but... For those who are new to this way of thinking, we might just ask you the question, where's the command in the New Testament to worship on Sunday? You know, where, where's, where's the idea of first day of the week worship and, and specifically on the first day of the week observing the Lord's Supper? Why do we, why do we take the Lord's Supper on Sunday? Why do we meet on Sunday and, and take the Lord's Supper? Where's the command for that? Well, we have commands about taking the Lord's Supper, but the day on which that was done is not specified by by statement or command, but rather by example. In Acts chapter twenty, verse seven, Paul met with the with the uh, Christians in Troas, uh, and they came together for the purpose of observing the Lord's Supper on the first day of the on week. On the first day of the week. So, what do we got there? We got an inspired apostle with other Christians gathering on the first day of the week, Sunday, to to observe the Lord's Supper. There's our authority. We right. don't have authority by way of direct command or statement, but we have authority by way of an approved example of an apostle. And, again, if if, if some of our listeners hadn't thought about that before uh, but had just assumed that Sunday is the day we're supposed to do that, well, it's not by assumption and it's not by our, our own opinion or our, our dis, you know, just discretionary choice but rather by an approved example is why we do that on Sunday. All right. We're going to get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we're going to get into another way that we uh, can derive authority from God's Word. And uh, it's a necessary inference. What does that mean? We'll talk about that when we get back. We want your comments. Send them in at questions at collegeview.com. Email us there. Call us, 877-381-4567. Or you're watching the feed at thevirtualbiblestudy.com, the chat room. To the bottom of your video feed is open for you. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Here's a challenge for you. Try to find a single place in the scriptures where the Lord ever encountered a person and encouraged him to stay as he was. You can't do it, can you? The Lord always encouraged people to change, to become better than they previously were. We know, of course, that some were already morally purer than others. For instance, Cornelius was, quote, a devout man who feared God, gave alms liberally, and prayed constantly, Acts 10, verse 2. But then there were folks like the Corinthians who had been immoral, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, and robbers, 1 Corinthians 6, beginning verse 9. But regardless of their existing condition, they had to change. Why? Paul answered that question for us, quote, there is none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3, verse 10. There are too many people who call themselves Christians who've never gotten serious about making changes and improvements in their lives. They still want to act like they used to act, dress like they used to dress, talk like they used to talk, and so forth. The heart of the problem may be that we have failed to see ourselves as real sinners. After all, it might be reasoned, we aren't nearly as bad as many others in our society. We need to stop deceiving ourselves by such useless comparisons, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Unless the stats have changed, it still remains true, quote, there is none righteous, no, not one. That being the case, we need to be changing, improving for the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Alex Dvorak, reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. 
Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you've got questions or comments that you about something you heard or you'd like to suggest a topic for consideration for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. If you'd like a bumper sticker, you can help us spread the word on your car. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We'll be glad to get you a free bumper sticker to help us. Yeah, you give us your, you, there you got to give us your snail mail address. That's right. We'll yep. get you one in the mail. We're talking about uh, establishing Bible authority on the program tonight. How do you do that? In the chat room, uh, uh, Philip suggests 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, as we mentioned, be imitators of me as I am also of Christ. Uh, Philip said, references 1 Timothy 1.16, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in my, me first Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And then Kevin uses a $5 word uh, in the chat room tonight, hermeneutics. He says simply the mechanism to understand what God is communicating to me. Yeah, you know, that's sort of a $64 word, but... Basically, hermeneutics just means how to interpret the Bible. Well, how would you interpret it? Well, when it says do this, don't do that, then that would be a, a, a clear thing that you would use as an interpretive tool. And when you, when, when an inspired writer of the apostle says, do what you see me do, follow me as I follow Christ, then that would be a good rule of hermeneutics. That would be a good interpretive rule. That would help us understand what God wants us to do. Basically, what we're saying is, how do I go to the Bible? And from the Bible, determine what God wants me to do. Yeah. Well, we got to use these rules, and that's what we're talking about. All right. We want to hear from you. Send in your comments now in the chat room or over email. Well, do you agree with what we're saying? Is it even important to have Bible authority? What do you think? Are we just being too picky? Let us know your thoughts. Kevin tonight. mentions that there's a lot of commotion going on during the breaks because normally on our regular feed you don't get to see us during the breaks, but on Facebook tonight you're seeing the yeah. behind. Hey. But I'm gonna tell you, it's, Kevin, we're on our best behavior yeah, tonight. Right. It's <laughs> this usually is nothing. A bit, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. What you can't see is a good thing sometimes during those breaks. All right. All right. So let's go to this question of necessary inference. What in the world is necessary inference? Um, there's some other terminology that is used. Sometimes we, and maybe this would even be a better description, inescapable conclusion. Yeah. In other words, uh, something is said in the, in the scripture and, and it, therefore it forces me to a conclusion. There's no other conclusion could be reached than that. Right. So inescapable conclusion or necessary inference. Uh, Troy, uh, in his email, said he actually likes the expression implication yeah. more than inference. Yeah. Um, he says, I think implication is a more appropriate way to state how we establish authority. Just as we cannot obey what's not commanded, we cannot infer what's not implied. I agree with that statement, but the inference is on our part. The implication is on God's part. God implies through the scripture and we must necessarily infer from what God – it's not a necessarily necessary implication. God didn't have to imply yeah. that. Yeah. What's necessary is our inference from what has been implied by God. So God implies, and we necessarily infer that he wants us to do so. So I, I'm going to differ with my friend Troy on that. I think inference is what we do. And, and when we talk about 
necessary inference. We're saying the inescapable conclusions that we're forced to. It's necessary. There's no way to get around it. This is what God, we draw this conclusion based upon on what God has implied to us in his word. As our friend Tom Moody used to say, unavoidable conclusions is another way to put necessary inference. Yeah. It's a conclusion you have to uh, to draw based upon the facts that are presented. An unavoidable conclusion, a necessary inference. Yeah. And uh, here, here's the classic example of a necessary inference. Something, in other words, we infer, we necessarily infer this. Where's our authority for church buildings? Or, and not, not every congregation has their own church building, but they maybe have a rented room. Uh, you know, maybe they, uh, we recently had uh, Ken McDaniel here who's working to get a new congregation established in Springfield, Illinois, and they're meeting in a conference room in a, in a motel. Right. Well, and, and I'm, I'm sure they have to pay something in order to, to be able to use those facilities. Where's the authority for doing that? Yeah. Where's the authority for us to have a church building? The, I, I would challenge anybody to go to the scripture and say, there's the statement. There's the command. Thou shalt have a church building. Right. Thou shalt have a meeting place. Thou shalt have a meeting room. Uh, it's just not there. Actually, we have some examples of Christians meeting in places, but they were in different kinds of places, sometimes in private homes, sometimes in public facilities. But there's the, the, the bottom line authority for a meeting place is found in the command to assemble. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembling yourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We're commanded to assemble. Now, what's implied in the command to assemble? What's, yeah. it, what, what's implied in the command to assemble? Well, what's implied is that you'd have to have a place to do that assembling. Yeah. It's an inescapable conclusion. It's a necessary inference that we should, we have to have a place, and therefore we're authorized to have a place. Yeah. It's necessary inference. All right. Unavoidable collusion, necessary inference that you must draw based upon the information that's provided. So what did you say? Tom, we used to call it what? Unavoidable conclusion. Unavoidable I think conclusion. It's, it's the same way to say this. The, In, the, inescapable conclusion. Inescapable, yeah. But, but what we've t- most often referred to it as is necessary inference. Necessary inference. It's an inference that you can't. You you must infer necessary. It. It's you necessary. can't get around it. Yeah, and it's it's there. Okay. Right. Okay. And so we we believe that there are these three forms, and we've we've talked really quickly about three forms or ways by which we come to understand what God wants us to do, by which we establish authority for our actions. Remember, uh, uh, the the priests and elders asked Jesus, "By what authority do you do these things, and who gave you this authority?" Good questions. We should be ready to answer those questions, too. If someone comes to us and say, why are you doing that? And why are you doing it that way? We need to be able to go to the Bible and show them why we're doing what we're doing and why we're doing it that way. And we have to, therefore, be able to show authority for our actions. And so we do that by direct commands or statements, by approved examples found in the scriptures, and by necessary inference. Those are the three forms or methodologies to come to conclusions about authority in religion. And it's not just in corporate religion. It's not just the things we do as a, as a congregation. It's also in our personal lives. We have to use the same three methods to obtain authority for the things and the decisions that I'm going to make in my personal doings. I've got to make sure that I've got authority for all that I do.
Okay. Philip's got a good comment uh, uh, in the uh, chat room. He says, um, Matthew 4, uh, beginning at verse 4, three times the devil tempted Jesus. Each time Jesus quoted scripture to prove that the devil was wrong. Of course, he was quoting Old Testament scripture. But the passages, especially the first two cases, did not directly state that the act Satan wanted Jesus to do was a sin. Jesus' conclusion just necessarily followed from the verses. Oh, interesting, interesting. So Jesus used necessary inferences. He concluded that certain acts were wrong, and he bound these conclusions both on himself and on the devil. Uh, interesting. Borrowed from a lesson on necessary inference that Philip has or had heard. Very good. I think that's really good, Philip. Let's look at that. So, so Satan tempts Jesus in verse 3 of Matthew 4 that uh, he wanted him to turn the stones into bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he concluded then that he shouldn't be uh, turning these stones to bread. Uh, and then uh, he tells him to to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, and it, he it cast himself down, and he concludes that he shouldn't do that because he'd been told you, should, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, and that'd be tempting. So excellent good, comments today. Good, good, good. Good points, Philip. Okay. All right. So, again, we've got uh, command, example, inference. That's how we sometimes say it. Just if we yeah. wanted to say it real quick, command, example, inference. And, you know, sometimes, especially the people who criticize us for, the, you know, this is called patternism. And that's supposedly a bad thing. But the scriptures even talk about it, following a pattern, you know. So and throughout time, God has expected this. In Hebrews yeah. uh, chapter 11, uh, Moses is told to build the tabernacle according to the pattern uh, that God had given him uh, on the on the Mount of uh, Sinai. So um, God has expected the pattern. a pattern. Yeah. Exactly, exactly right. And let's but, see, but, it may have been actually in Acts chapter 7 is one place where he's told to do it according to the pattern. But but the thing of it is, again, some are critical of that. And they would even, we sometimes talk about command, example, inference. And they've even abbreviated that CEI, command, example, inference. And that you, they would say about us that we're all bound up in this CEI uh, sort of methodology. But we really think it's biblical. I mean, uh, and I think we've shown from the scriptures tonight that it is exactly the way we come to conclusions about what God wants us to be doing. Hebrews 8, verse 5 is the passage I was looking he, for. Hebrews, for he, read that. Hebrews 8, 5. He, uh, so he expects us to follow the pattern he, 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 that he has given in Hebrews 8, verse 5. Uh, who serve, this is the Old Testament, who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, that's God, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So God went to great lengths in the Old Testament to give people instructions. For instance, that tabernacle. Boy, if you ever are suffering from insomnia, that's a good chapter to read uh, to help you get over that. Uh, the, 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 the instructions go on and on about that tabernacle. Why is God being so picky about that? Why didn't you just say, Moses, do what you want? And there was a, there was an incredible amount of detail. But it, <coughs> but it wasn't just for Moses. It wasn't just for the children of Israel. It was for us that he gave that command to show us that <coughs> he expects us to follow the instructions that he's given us and follow the pattern. He was, he was showing us that for an example, that when I tell you to do something, follow the pattern that I gave you. Don't just go making up what you want to do. Don't just do what seems right to you. Follow the pattern. Yeah. Kevin in the chat room says, I am a patternist. And, and I, I take it from that. Uh, I think we know Kevin well enough to know that he's saying, I'm not ashamed to be called a patternist. And we're not either. That's the right thing. We're supposed to follow the pattern. All right. 
Let's grab our last break. When we come back, let's just look at a number of examples of how to apply these principles. All right, we'll get a break. And we also got to talk about general, specific authority and expediency. Lots to talk about. Uh, We'll get to that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virgin Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Alcohol is America's number one drug, and its consumption is our number one drug problem. Alcohol is the third leading cause of death in this country. More than half of all Americans use alcohol regularly, and from 9 to 15 million of them are alcoholics. 10% of those who take their first drink will become alcoholic. 50 to 60% of children of alcoholics will themselves become alcoholics. 76% of children of parents who do not indulge will themselves also abstain. Alcohol is involved in 33% of suicides, 60% of child abuse, 50% of all fatal auto accidents, 20% of all divorces. 5% of all alcoholics are teenagers. That information is via the National Institution on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. The Word of God says in Proverbs 23, beginning verse 31, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about authority, how to establish it. Certainly it is important that we know that God approves of what we're doing. We don't want to do things that God doesn't approve of. We want to please him. And the only way we know that God is pleased is if we look to his word and find what he's told us to do. And how do we do that? We're talking about that on the program tonight. I want to real quick just give an example of how we put command, example, and inference to work on in a very important thing that we do. Uh, we do it regularly. We do it importantly. We give lots of significance to observing the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> so what do we do when we observe the Lord's Supper? Well, the, a direct command tells us what to do. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, a very familiar passage. Uh, our men often read this on Sunday when we're about to take the Lord's Supper. He said, Paul says, I have received the Lord that which uh, also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood, this do ye, as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, Paul said, I'm telling you what, Jesus said, and Jesus said, Do this. So, when we observe the Lord's Supper, we use... Bread and fruit of the vine to remember the body and blood of Jesus. The reason we do that is because we're commanded to do that. Right. So we know what to do. We're commanded. We know what we're supposed to be doing because we have a command that tells us exactly what to do. So, you know, somebody says, well, you know, let's, let's modernize that a little bit. Let's have 
pizza and Pepsi-Cola uh, in, instead of unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. No, there wouldn't be any authority for that. Right. We have authority for it. We, don't, we wouldn't have authority to use different elements. Right. right. Well, that tells us what to do. When are we supposed to do that? Well, there's no command. There's no command that tells us when to do it. But as we said a, a few minutes ago, in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, we have the Apostle Paul meeting with the saints in Troas on the first day of the week. Right. To observe the Lord's Supper. Right. And so we know when to do it by virtue of an approved example. Right. right? Now, the question comes, how often to do it? How often? So we're supposed to take the unleavened bread for the vine, and we're supposed to do it on Sunday. But how often? On which Sundays? How frequently should we do it? Yeah. And the answer to that is we have to come to a, a necessary conclusion uh, a necessary inference. Right. Since no specific Sunday was mentioned, in other words, it didn't say it was the first Sunday of the, uh, it was the first Sunday following the spring equinox. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't specify, it was just a Sunday. It didn't specify what Sunday, and therefore the conclusion you would reach is this was a normal every Sunday observance of those first Christians. That's unavoidable. Yeah. There is no specification on a specific Sunday. You have to conclude then that it's every Sunday. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, they came together on the first day of the week to break bread, the first day of the week. You can get a parallel to that if you just go back to Exodus, not Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There was no specific Sabbath. How often were the Jews supposed to keep the Sabbath day? Every time it came around. Because it, it didn't specify, keep the first Sabbath of the month holy, yeah. you know, or, or keep every third Sabbath holy. Right. When it just says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, they understood that. I mean, every time a Sabbath day came around, they kept it holy. And, and if this, it was approved of Christians in the first century in Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week to come together to break bread, then I'll be approved every time I do that on the first day of the week, come together to break bread. Yeah, exactly All right. right. Unavoidable conclusion. All right. Now, let's... Uh, Let's talk about some other aspects of this authority question, this authority question, and it has to do with what we often refer to as general or specific authority. Uh, if I told you, Jacob, uh, go to the store and buy some groceries, mm-hmm. that's a pretty open-ended instruction. Yes, you know, and and you'd be free to do. Anything you wanted when it came to groceries, if it was if it was under the general heading of groceries, you'd be authorized to buy anything there. Right. But if I told you, go to the grocery store, go to Kroger's and buy me a loaf of bread, then that'd be more specific and you'd be more limited because more specifics had been given. No ice cream. I told you what store to go to and I told you what to buy. Yeah. Right. Uh, So. We understand that, and we actually apply that constantly uh, in uh, uh, just everyday activities. But they, if you if you try to break that down, you'd have to identify those as general commands or general authority versus specific authority. And the Bible is that same way. The Bible in the Bible we read about things that are authorized in general fashion, and then we read about things that are authorized in specific fashion. All right. A great example of general authority uh, would be when God told Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, make thee an ark of gopher wood. He told him to make an ark. But that left Noah with a lot of discretion. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he he could choose where to do it. You know, where's the building site? This was a massive building project. I wouldn't want to build that thing on top of a hill. I don't think I'd probably want it down the valley where the logs would slide down. Maybe so. So you know, he could choose that. Yeah, he got to choose that. He yeah. could choose how he was going to gather, the, how he was going to fell the trees, hew yeah. the logs, assemble the ark. So there, a lot of discretion was. Yeah. It was a, sort of a general command: make the an ark of gopher wood. Right. Now so, he had to do it, but he yeah. had some liberty into how he was going to do that. Yeah. Okay. Now that 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 decision making authority he had, because it was a general command, and he could choose what tools to use, where to build it. That's what. Those were called expediencies. You said maybe it'd be better to build it at the bottom of the hill instead of the top of the hill, so you don't have to carry the logs to the top of the hill that you're right. building. That would be a ex- matter of expediency. Right. Expediency is a is is a, a means to an end, mm-hmm. uh, help you get the job done. And when things are authorized to us in general fashion, we're free to make decisions about what would be the best way to get that job done. And here's another example. We know the Great Commission. Jesus gave the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go into all the world, teach the gospel to every creature. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to misquote it. I always combine those yeah. those uh, Great Commission statements. But Matthew says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. In that was a command to go. Right. Uh, so the apostles were commanded to go, and this actually filters clear down to us today. We're to go and and uh, teach all nations. How could they go? Well, back in those days, they could have walked. Mm-hmm. They could have ridden on an animal. Mm-hmm. They could have taken a sailing ship. Mm-hmm. Right. That's probably pretty much the limitations on what they could, methods that they had to go. We have a lot more methods we can Drive a car, fly a plane, take a train. Uh, we can go electronically now. Yes. We yes. can go by the Internet now. Yeah. Lots of ways to go. But the the command to go is a general command, and it, and it allows expedient choice. What's the best way to go? You know, if I was if I wanted to go to California, I could walk to California, but that wouldn't be a very ex- good judgment. It wouldn't be a very expedient means if... If I was to, wanted to go to California to preach the gospel, I'd drive, at a minimum, I'd drive a car. I'd probably fly an airplane. Yeah. And so uh, the, the, when a command's general, you can make decisions about how to carry it out. But when things are stated specifically, you're not free to make those choices. Right. So, so general authority allows expedient decisions as to how to get them done. Specific authority doesn't give us that option. When things are specified, we we are not at liberty to do something else. For instance, we were talking about the Lord's Supper. The Bible authority for the Lord's Supper specifies the first day of the week. And since it specifies the first day of the week, we're not free to say, let's have it on Tuesday night. Let's have it on Thursday night. When something is specified, it excludes any other option. If I told you go to the store buy groceries, you got all kinds of options. When I tell you go to the store and buy a loaf of bread, then you're not at liberty to do anything else other than buy bread. Right. And so we understand that, and we use that same kind of reasoning when it comes to the scriptures. And we have to use that reasoning and um, and be careful about the way that we are deriving our authority in the chat room uh, tonight. Philip uh, mentions these comments quickly as we conclude. 
He says uh, the, this church is a spiritual building that has a spiritual pattern to follow in that in what we do, and that is by God's word and its precepts. Uh, he says there is no command, uh, this time by the Lord's Supper, as to when to or not to eat, nor any example of anything other than every first day of the week. And Kevin says uh, we simply couldn't understand one another if we didn't follow some rules regarding commands. Otherwise, the command loses its effect or goes beyond what is intended without following some rules of communication. Yeah, they, I think These that's are right. Basic rules. And this is not just limited this to the Bible. This is how you communicate. This is how you communicate. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's how God communicates with us. Yeah. Same way we communicate with each other. If Kevin were to write us a letter tonight and, and tell us something that he wanted us to do, we'd follow the same rules of interpretation with Kevin's letter as we have with God's yeah. letter to Real us. Real quick, we're just out of time. Kent in Georgia says, General or generic authority is where a concept is authorized, but the specific details are excluded. Uh, generally authorizes. Uh, okay, that's a, he is an example of a meeting place. Uh, then he says specific authority is specific. When the scriptures authorize a concept and give specific de- details regarding such, we are obligated to follow the specifics. And he, and he suggests singing without mechanical instruments of music and so forth. Expedience, expediency is that which expedites what God has authorized. Where there is no authority or no advantage, there can be no expediency. Okay, very good. All right. Thanks, Kent. All right. We're out of time. Yes, we are out of time. Remember that this is a preview of what we're going to have in our neighborhood Bible studies next Monday night here in the Columbia area. If you're in the Columbia area, contact us. We'd love to hook you up with one of our group studies. If you're not nearby but you'd like to get this material, we can send it to you either by snail mail or electronically. Uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. All right. We'll look forward to uh, hearing from you, questions at collegeview.com. Kyle, not... Haven't talked to you much tonight. I apologize for that. Uh, appreciate you being here to help us out. Uh, it's always good to be here. Yeah, good to have you with us, and look forward to you being back here soon. And uh, well, stay tuned. Maybe on Facebook next week, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we're going to keep working on that Facebook thing. Yep. And uh, if you've got any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you again. Questions at collegeview.com. We hope you'll be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.